another episode of Edinburgh's Early Years podcast. This one has got a digital focus and I'm really lucky to be joined again by Lynn Taylor from Education Scotland. But we've also got um, another guest with us, Eva Wilkinson. So Eva, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Thanks, Bex. Thanks for having me along this morning. So my name's Eva Wilkinson and I'm one of the development officers in the digital skills team at Education Scotland. I joined the team now about three years ago and before that I was an early years officer in one of our local authorities. Perfect, thanks. And we all know Lynn, but Lynn, do you want to say hello again anyway? <laughs> <laughs> hello! Oh, that's lovely. Thank you, Bex. Um, well, yeah, I'm Lynn Taylor, and at the moment, I'm actually not in my role um, in ELC as an education officer in Education Scotland. I have temporarily went over to the curriculum innovation team, and I'm working on the digital response for early years in primary at the moment um, within the team. Super. So the the kind of discussion today is around about digital pedagogy in the early years. Um, and we've all been sort of catapulted into using digital technologies in a way that we never thought we'd have to because of the current context. Um, but there is always that tension, isn't there, between using screens, because you know, we hear a lot about screens not being appropriate for young kids and, and them being used as sort of passive babysitters. So I suppose what I'd like to unpick today is how best can we use this in the early years that's, that makes sure that it's appropriate for our kids and that you're being led by pedagogy, not by the, the devices themselves, I suppose. Does that make sense? Super. Sorry, they're nodding. You'll need to speak, guys. <laughs> it's a podcast. <laughs> yes, it does make sense. It's more than video calls, that's what it is. Yes, uh, we have been working on the national e-learning offer from Education Scotland um, with a number of partners. We've got ADES and we've got East School and West OS um, and our local authority representatives around the country. And we're looking at that offer as an offer that's not just about providing resources to people. It's, it's looking at the thoughts behind, is this used? How is it developmentally appropriate? And what happens with the child or the young person at the end of that offer? So again, we, we see it in different ways. There's, there's um, the offer that I've been directly working on with East School is very mindful that a lot of resources are need to be um, user-friendly as in the point of view from the child's point of view. So mm -hmm. even for a very, very young child, um, they're thinking about their digital skills and their digital literacy, um, but there's a huge amount of thought about, but what do the children do with this? How does it progress their learning? How does it progress their development? And for, for my angle with um, ELC into early primary and, and um, upper primary, it's about how do we encourage learning beyond the screen? And that has been a huge push mm. um, with especially the East School um, offer. So what in response to that, what we did was create um, learning spaces for children. And they're very much for children um, to, to direct their own learning through. Again, being really mindful about um, be, providing something that's really motivating for children, because mm -hmm. that's really important. Um, something that's going to really spark their interest. Um, something that 
has potential to take learning in lots of different ways. So the child is leading the learning there. Um, something that gathers the feedback from the learner, even a very young learner, um, that then informs back into the offer that we're doing. So we've got an offer at the moment that changes every fortnight. And sometimes even more frequently because we get a constant feedback loop directly from children and young people to mm. say, we like that. We, we take the analytics from it. We, we see what, what the, the, the wee ones are clicking on, what they're not clicking on. Um, but also we hear directly from them about what's working, what's not working. It's supplemented with three live sessions during the week because we're, we're aware of that research, especially around, um, I think it was the Scottish Book Trust that, that brought it to my attention about the book bug bags, mm -hmm. about you don't just offer something, you don't just give a resource pack to someone. Um, and expect them to kind of even understand and know what your intention is behind it. So the live sessions have been an opportunity to really um, engage and say, you know, we've presented these learning spaces. We've got one for early level, we've got one for first, and we've got one for second. But here's what we've got in these spaces, and here's a different ways you can interact with them. And as the feedbacks come from the learner, in those live sessions, we can say, oh, look, Nathan from Wishaw has done this with this mm -hmm. like he's looked at this clip and it's inspired him to do x y and z and what's really exciting from that the, the dynamic from that is then we're seeing other learners come in and take it in their directions so mm -hmm. and that that's the that's the really exciting dynamic of it so again it's not just about packaging things for people and giving them it it's really thinking through what happens and a, a huge important element of it to inspire learning away from the screen yeah and so one of the things that was jumping out to me as you were speaking there were the sort of familiar words that we'll know from realizing ambition you were talking about interactions you were talking about spaces and you were talking about the experiences that the children are having so it is I think for some folk although the digital sphere seems like new and strange it's actually just an extension of us of, of what we already have does that make sense Absolutely. And part of the offer from the digital skills team, so part of the national offer from professional learning is working with early years practitioners as well to support them and how they can create these spaces off their own as well. So, you know, very similar to what we've got with being me with Doug, but then even more so in their own context, you know, with their own learners. So we've been looking at, you know, effective use of digital technology so that it can provide these engaging learning experiences for young children and for their families as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then like Lynn's saying, offering that space for the feedback so that it can then become, you know, a two-way um, piece of work. So we know, you know, what's engaging the children at home. We can then share that back in this sort of overall learning space and then it becomes a two-way, um, you know, learning environment as well online learning. Yeah, no, it's perfect. I mean, that's that's the kind of thing that I think we're, we're just exploring, aren't we? It's like how to how to make sure that the digital technologies that we're using are, we're being led by our own pedagogy. We're not being led by the devices. We're not being kind of using them inappropriately, particularly with our young children. Because, you know, if we're talking about our youngest learners, they're still on the concrete. And actually a lot of the digital stuff is quite abstract. And so it's about making sure that we can kind of use them in a way that supports their current developmental stage and, and supports their development in a way rather than kind of hampering it or, or being at best sort of passive. 
I guess. And it's yeah. making sure that their voice is still heard. So the child's voice is still coming through strong, whether they're in the setting or not, whether they're away from the setting. And, it, you know, it can be through submitting, you know, pictures, pictures of drawings, pictures of paintings, you know, little short video clips, voice recordings. From those wee bits of feedback, because um, we started with the digital learning spaces being very adult led on like we we decided we'd say certain principles that you know that the space especially for early years was always going to be outside Doug was not going to be constrained by walls he was going to be outside it wasn't like a playroom setting um and also for for first and second level we've we've been quite um playful there because they're, they're, they're aspirational spaces because we thought, do we do a normal classroom here? Why don't we do like the ideal space? If you had to design a space that was your space for learning, you'd have a comfy couch and you'd have a computer that was up to date, you know, all these kind of things. So, but from what you're saying, Eva, about, you know, from that feedback loop and getting those images and getting those voice clips and, and we've been able then to populate those spaces and make it sing of the learner. So, so it's, um, and again, the feedback from that has been this is, you know, it's taken it into a place that it's almost, you're right, Bex, about that intentional, but, um, you know, half kind of planned almost. Mm-hmm. But um, we didn't know where it was going to go. And it's gone to a really exciting place that we couldn't have planned for at the beginning. And I think it then just becomes ever evolving. The child's voice comes through really clearly. And this is something that then can help staff to plan next steps in learning. It can help practitioners because if they're not seeing um, the young people every day, you know, you're not able to look with your eyes and look with your ears as you would do in the face-to-face um, situation. But through um, the evidence that you can gather in from home, you're then able to do that. Um, so I think we've really seen that, you know, digital technology has really bridged the gap um, during the school closures over the last year or so. And I think we need to remember this can be quite tricky um, for early level practitioners because we don't really engage the same way as practitioners do with the learners further up the school. You know, we don't always have that that two-way interaction. I think what works really well when we create these virtual learning environments is that that feeling of connectedness is then still here so that the children can see and hear, you know, that familiar face, that familiar voice, whether it's, you know, a simple hello song that they're used to hearing or just the way that maybe a member of staff addresses the children just a way that they speak you know and they say hello and they greet them in the morning and that's really important for our learners to still have that and you know for it to be such an important part of their daily routine. Yeah absolutely I think one of the things that we got in terms of the feedback from our families in Edinburgh was that those um, aspects of where the practitioners were able to send a video read a story um, and just keep that connection going because it is it's all about that human connection isn't it and sometimes if you're doing it through a screen you know it's that's it's as best as it can be sometimes but the the voice the music the similar things that you're talking about the familiar is really important isn't it but I think it's also important to remember that for some practitioners you know, this can be a wee bit out of their comfort zone. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it can be, it can be a bit embarrassing recording yourself, maybe singing a song or reading a story. I know, like personally, I really do not like hearing my voice back on a recording, on a webinar recording. You know, I just want yeah. to turn 
of as soon as I hear it. And I think that we've really, we've got to respect that. And, you know, there's other ways we can work around it. You know, with all the technology we have access to now, you know, you can create a bit more J of yourself, a wee cartoon. You can do, you know, some lip syncing, you know, so it doesn't need to be, you know, your face on the screen all the time. Um, and over the last, you know, year or so, I've saw so many settings make really immense progress, um, not just in their use of digital skills, but in their confidence as well, you know. Um, sometimes, you know, it, it can feel like you're almost presenting to an invisible audience because you don't have yeah. that through the interaction, you know, but being able to sort of um, record yourself singing or marching on the spot, you know, or doing something, you know, it, it, that... The, the benefits outweigh the sort of feelings of, you know, you know, embarrassment or whatever, because you know how much the children are getting from it. You know that it's making such a difference to their day. Um, and, the, the, you know, the feedback's telling you that. And feedback from your families, from parents and carers as well, which is equally as important. Do you know, at the start of your practice journey, when you're first on the floor, that feeling of um, almost embarrassment or worry is there anyway. Like I remember back when I first started teaching, you think, oh, I sound like a twit, come on. But you get past that and you sort of, and so it's, it's almost like it's that sort of, because it's such a new situation, it's that it's that starting again and then realising that actually, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, it's what your kids need, I suppose. It's what our children need. There's huge potential in it, isn't there, about even... Um, having now had to present live kind of content as well it's you're right it's so uncomfortable it's actually you know quite you know because you're faced with yourself in a way that you're mm. not normally when you're teaching or you you know you're on the floor or, um but it's the potential to see because I think oh you know I, I could have done that better I did that you know um so that potential of you know, self-reflection, <laughs> although it's really <laughs> uncomfortable, um, it's maybe a lesson that we maybe could maybe, I don't know, take in, take forward about, you know, what does this, how does this safely actually help us reflect on our own practices perhaps? Or, yeah. um, and also that potential of um, sharing spaces with, um, with parents and families, isn't it? Taking away the mystery of what happens um, in early years or in primary one and um, and we have seen haven't we there's some just fabulous examples of how people are sharing um, just even opening those doors to people and, and and just seeing what happens inside and and that complexity of teaching wee ones as well about you know just how that could even I don't know like um, how you have to be quite short and sharp how um, that schematic nature even of revisiting yeah. learning you know that that's okay that um even that opportunity to kind of explain these wee bits and bobs to you know and um, we, we repeat that story because you know or, or we can sing that song again because um and these are things that hopefully will we'll carry forward with us into the the future yeah, whatever on, that may be <laughs> on that deal and just got me thinking about some lovely memories um in terms of self-reflection there. So a few years ago when I was back in ELC, we were making really good use of an action camera. So one that the, the children could strap around their chest on a little harness um, so that, you know, when we were out and about, they were capturing, you know, what was going on and then bringing it back to share with the rest of the groups. So it was perfect for revisiting learning, but also for us as practitioners, because we were then seeing the world through the child's eyes, you know, what height are certain things, you know, what does mm -hmm. it look like for a wee person to walk through a supermarket 
um, and, and also for transition as well. So, you know, mm. we may know what the corridors look like or what, you know, certain parts of the school look like and can relay that to the children, but we're not at their height. You know, we're not mm. here seeing the same things, you know, that they are. So that works particularly well. And also for sharing the learning back with our families again at home. You know, you, you all know, it's, you know, how common is it mums and dads, grannies and granddads, parents and carers will come in at parents' nights and say, they don't tell me anything, you know, but ask them. <laughs> and they say, I, I don't do anything, I don't play with anybody, you know, I don't have any snack. But having this footage, this really valuable, rich media footage, you know, gives them a really, really super snapshot almost right directly through the child's eyes. Um, and again, for um, observation purposes as well, because, you know, there can be so many things going on all at the one point and you might miss a wee key part of that observation mm. you've turned down to you know help somebody with their shoes or you know you've you've turned down to answer somebody else's question and being able to then go back and re-watch that piece of media you can then pull out really valuable pieces of information that's really interesting just what you were talking about there in terms of transition I know a lot of settings now are starting to think about how to support that particularly for um, children who are moving from ELC into primary one and lots of places are making videos but you're right predominantly those videos will be made from the adult's height won't they so maybe it's start to reframe that and rethink it and can we do it from the child's height and actually yeah. what's that experience when you walk in yeah last year we, we kind of created a couple of um videos in, in partnership with um, settings around scotland and we've got it on our transitions week like for realizing the vision um and it was for that very reason bex it was it was um really thinking about what does this look like from the child's point of view and mm. um, thinking about the language that's used um, and the tone sometimes because uh, again it's it was all new to everyone again last year <laughs> you know how do how do we do this but there's some beautiful wee examples on that on that um, transitions week look for people to have a wee look if they're, if they're planning to do that now and having the, the technology now to be able to have video calls makes all the difference as well and that was something that when um, I was back in ELC that you know we really tried to to explore a lot the setting that I was in we um, had you know so many different associated schools at the time there was maybe about seven or eight so to organize you know multiple transition visits you know mm. it, it was really you know it you couldn't do anything instantly. So, you know, if a, a child had a question, a burning question, you know, to find out, you know, things like, is there a hand dryer in the toilets? I always remember that one because this wee one was terrified of hand dryers. Um, so what we done was we got in touch with the school and we asked, you know, when are you free? You're free at all today or tomorrow? Would you be able to give us a quick tour, you know, like a live tour? And just being able, you know, to, to have that information there and then um, to be able to show um, the children, you know, having a tour of the, the buddies or, you know, whoever the older children were that were supporting transition. Using technology to, for that immediacy, because that's the other thing, isn't it, with the developmental stages of the children that we're working with it's not always possible to sort of park things and revisit them unless you know you can go back and do that circular revisiting but if there's a burning question it needs to be answered now you know now is really important and so digital technology gives you that immediacy which is really nice one of the things that I was reading the other day was um from an example of how digital technologies was being used to support literacy skills in the early years and like right down to kind of your your babies as well and there was a kind of because I think that's sometimes a worry isn't it that 
that we can expose our children to these devices too early and it, that we can be kind of develop a dependence on them maybe. I know that's kind of some of the stuff that um, where, where, where the screen is just being used as media rather than as any sort of interaction. But they were talking about the, the screen being used as another form of paper and actually for younger children, you know, 13 months, being able to see that immediacy and being able to then change it and, and, and that power, the agency that it gives the child is actually really important and can bypass some of the other difficulties that maybe they don't have the gross motor control yet to be able to do the finer movements. So there's that exploration of mark making in a way that enhances their development. I'm not saying don't put out things for them to make yeah. marks with, you know, they're still going to be outside with sticks and mud, but there's a different element to their development that can be supported that way. No, it's, it's, it's extremely interesting, isn't it? It's, it's because again, it's, we're almost pioneers in this world of mm. the world of the, the child's future. So we need to, and there's a huge amount of positive sounds about digital technology in that way that we need to explore. And you're right, Bex, we have to think about it in the way of how is this supporting the child's development? Just as you were talking there as well, I was thinking about, um, you know, sometimes um, the wee ones we would maybe give out, um, I don't, thinking you would maybe notice that they weren't maybe engaging with nursery, right? We know how important nursery rhymes and songs are for wee ones. And I know that in the tail end of my practice, I was really noticing that children did, just didn't know traditional tales as well, or, you know, nursery rhymes as well. You, you know, you'd give a wee booklet to the parent or whatever. But again, it's that how we then, in a very live way, can demonstrate, you know, how important these are and even just how to sing the songs <laughs> you yeah. know what the tune's like maybe not me personally singing the songs but, um, <laughs> but you know that but even just that that kind of potential of that connection but again it's so important that it's intent intentionally thought through mm -hmm. why are we doing this what benefit is it um is it that um are the children pretty passive in their engagement with this um are we making sure again that we're encouraging that movement beyond the screen? Are we encouraging them to get outside? Um, are we stimulating their interest around things that, you know, it's almost like the provocations for learning how that can be done digitally, but there mm -hmm. has to be an intention from us adults behind that and we have to share that intention. You know, it's almost as if you read the bullet points I've got in front of me. So the thing that I was talking about came from um, a paper called Playing with Digital Drawing by Janet Robertson. And I'll put the um, I'll put the citations up so folk can go and have a look at it. But there are a few bullet points at the end of this that I just think are perfect and they are almost mirror exactly what you say, which is, you know, like with any curricular resource, if you're thinking about what to put out in terms of digital technologies, does it match the educational philosophy? So that's your why. Is the child in charge? Can children think with it? Does it offer possibilities for rich and complex play? Does the media promote individual or interdependent play? So is it better with two or more children? And that's really interesting because a lot of the things that we do can be quite, you know, a lot of the apps, the traditional apps are quite solo. But actually, if we're thinking about extending it, how can we make it so that it is about that collaboration? Does it foster creative thinking and problem solving? Has it got an elegance of design enriching the user's experience? I love that one. Love that. And what's the role of the adult in there? Yeah. So there are, you know, those, if, you, if you're thinking about whether or not what you're doing is appropriate, if you, if you kind of think through those bullet points, it, you, you're on a good track, I think. Yeah. And I, I think, it, it, yeah, sorry, Eva. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that links really well with the digital literacy experiences and outcomes as well, because as we know, um, many of these children come into the settings with the digital skills. So they have the skill part, you know, they can use a mobile device to, you know, draw and annotate, they can, you know, record videos, they can, you know, take pictures and things, but it's the understanding behind that, you know, it's, it's the why part. So why are we doing that? And, you know, what's the purpose? You know, how, how is this going to help us? You know, what is this going to do for us? And then also the, the use the use of using of it responsibly as well, you know, so that brings in your, your cyber resilience and internet safety elements, you know, are we, are we then sharing this for example, are we then going to share this photo that we've taken? Who are we going to share it with? Is it okay to share it? You know, things, so starting those conversations from really, really early on. So I think that comes back to practitioner responsibility. You know, if we're going to, you know, be promoting and providing access to devices and, you know, pieces of digital technology, which is fantastic. At the same time, we need to be making sure that, you know, it's been understood, you know, to a certain level, it's been understood that we need to use them responsibly as well. Yeah, that's crucial, isn't it? So we were talking earlier, just before we started recording, around about um, you can develop the technologies curriculum without actual technologies, uh, or that we, you know, that we traditionally think of. Because you give us a bit more, a kind of explore that, and we can have a chat around it. So if we're thinking of in, in digital literacy in terms of cyber resilience and internet safety, we can learn about that without having devices at all. So for example, if, if you break down the experiences and outcomes, and if you have a real look at the benchmarks, let's say we were, we were learning about you know, passwords, for example, you, you don't need to understand how the passwords work, but it's recognising where they are in our environment. So it's a wee mm. bit like, you know, when we go on our environmental print hunts and we're looking for um, street signs and letters and, you know, familiar logos in the environment round about us, we can do that with the passwords too. You know, it might be, could be a padlock, a lock and key, you know, it could be um, a, a thumbprint password, it could be the the um, locked door coming into the setting where you either need your magnetic badge or, you know, you might need to input a pin code. So, you know, it's just getting the, the sort of awareness that there's passwords all around about us and we need these to help, you know, to keep us safe and to protect us. Um, in terms of internet safety, you know, more about our behaviours, you know, we're kind to our friends um, that we see face to face, but it's important to be kind online, you know, starting those messages as well. And then the whole um, sort of, side of you know like copyright as well um, you know if, if we take a, if we save a, an, an image from the internet is it okay for us to use it how do we know you know so starting off planting those seeds um, from very early on and then in terms of computing science again you don't need to have a single device for computing science algorithms for example which can the word algorithm can absolutely terrify people it's <laughs> A simple set of rules and instructions. Think of your snack board menus. Think of your visual timetables. Think of a simple pictorial Play-Doh recipe card. You know, those are all algorithms and those are things that are absolutely embedded in the environment all round about us. Um, we might say we did a familiar story and then we have some story pebbles or story spoons to detail the story. Mm -hmm. Again, 
that's computing science as well. We just don't always necessarily link it to computing science because when you know we first think about that, we automatically think about devices and programmables. Um, so I think it's always really, really reassuring for practitioners to hear that. And if you do have a wee look at one of the computing science experiences and outcomes, it does tell you. In fact, I will just I will read it out here to make sure I get the the exact wording. So I can develop a sequence of instructions and run them using programmable devices or equivalent. And that or equivalent part is key. So tell everybody about that. Make sure everybody knows that that equivalent part, you know, it can be a storyboard, a visual timetable, you know, a recipe, anything at all. That's lovely. And that sort of links back to what we're talking about in terms of the world that our children, you know, the pioneering aspect of this, because we don't know what things will look like for our children later on. And that's part of the SDS skills 4.0 um, stuff that's happening. You know, we're, we have to be able to support our children to develop the thinking skills that will enable them to continue to be sort of critical and um, reflective learners as they progress through so that it doesn't necessarily matter what the, the, the thing is. It's about the, the thinking and the, the processing that goes on behind that. So if you're thinking about that algorithm, that's like coding, isn't it? Like this, then this, then this, then this, and a real world outcome rather than a digital outcome. And so many of the skills that, you know, employers are looking for at the moment are the skills that, you know, we embed on a daily basis in early learning and childcare. You know, your, your problem solving, um, critical thinking, um, resilience, you know, these are things that, you know, we just do on the daily. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think, yes, and that's partly one of the things that's been so well received, I think, about realising ambition is that it's not just been focused around about your zero to 4.5 to fives. It's about that kind of taking it, taking the early learning and childcare pedagogy, but stretching it up through the early years and into later on in, in um, primary school. I was listening to um, Suzanne Zedike talk the other day and she was talking about the critical importance of play. And then I was thinking, do you know what? Whatever I've learned during lockdown, for me, has been, I need play. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. need it to be able to be a healthy, functioning adult. So, do you know, it's it's kind of, we need to get the message out there that, it, that what we're doing is actually a bit about just being human, not about being a young child. Yeah. Absolutely, that that play and everything that you were talking about there is, is I, I was just thinking play pedagogy, play pedagogy, mm -hmm. play pedagogy, <laughs> um, and having conversations with people around. Um, yeah, my child's just playing again. I'm hearing again quite a lot of that, and it's how do we make sure that value of that just playing is unpicked. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, there's a wee clip on Facebook this morning. And it's it's, um, it's an adult saying things I did in childhood for no reason whatsoever and it's things like um, oh, taking a, a bottle and kind of sticking it to your tongue and then wiggling it about you know, the things that you know we used to do but I, I was screaming at that going but we you did do it for a reason because it was to find out about the properties of things and the world round about you and how things work it's a brilliant wee clip but I want you know that way I want you to put a response and go hey but it's, it's how do we then get that shout that that value of play um, and why we advocate play and you're right it's as human beings how we absolutely need it no matter what stage that we're at mm -hmm. and there's a reason and a purpose to that so that human almost um, primal instinct of play 
how that marries and actually goes hand in hand with a lot of digital technology development. We have, there's other sessions that we have um, done in partnership with the Literacy um, Education Officers at Education Scotland as well. Um, so looking at how mobile devices, or no, sorry, looking at how digital technology can enhance literacy development. So, you know, in terms of that capture and learning and all the different sort of apps that we've got access to now to do that, you know, even things like green screen, that really creative element to do it, um, all of that. Um, so that's available to support our practitioners in terms of what, what we're going to do next. Yeah, just, I suppose that's the key thing, isn't it? Like what... If, if you're feeling nervous, if digital technology isn't your bag, where what's the first thing that people should explore? What's this sort of, what's a way in and, and where can they get support for that? I think come and watch one of the webinars. You know, they're just, they're short little webinars and they're all evidence with pieces of footage from real children in real early learning and childcare settings, you know, showing how it all links up. Um, so that would that would be the, the first piece of advice. Watch a webinar and then get in touch if there's something that you're setting or your cluster or your local authority want to know a wee bit more about. We're here to help. We can support um, on that. That's fantastic. Thank you. So what I'll do then is I'll pop the links in the notes for the podcast, but we'll also fire it out um, with kind of in a paper version or an email version, a digital version. There we go, got there in the end. So if you're new to digital technologies, there's a way to get support. And remember that you can talk to your colleagues in Education Scotland and the Twitter sphere is also really good. But we're all now hopefully back in settings and, and um, hopefully if, if things are going the right way, we shouldn't be entering another lockdown. So what's the kind of future in terms of what we're, how we're using technologies now? Is it back to business as usual or, or what do you think? I think it would be really important that settings, the, 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 um, you know, all the efforts and all the progress that they've made over the last year were, were recognised. And one of the ways you could do that is um, looking at the Digital Schools Award for Scotland. So that's a national award scheme that promotes, recognises and encourages a whole setting approach to the use of digital technology. Um, even, you know, if you feel like I'm still not at the stage, you know, I'm, I'm not quite ready for that, go on the website um, download the validation report, uh, um, no, sorry, the, the, the validation um, material, and it can show you, you know, where your gaps are or what your next steps are to work towards. There's also, there's a map on the site where you can do a wee filtered search to look for all the ELC settings in either your local authority or in Scotland, and you can then access their validation reports as well. So it gives you, you know, little pointers from sort of what is, you know, good practice that's happening in these settings. Um, and it can just, you know, get, give you a sort of starting point for, you know, this, this is where we are now. This is what we've achieved so far. Where is it going to go next? Yeah, I think it's it's so important that we realise that potentially what's happened to us. It's been so difficult because we are running at such a pace and when do we get really get a chance to kind of stop and think, oh my goodness, take a breath. What <laughs> has happened to us, you know, even just we are, we've survived or we're surviving this situation, this time, this pandemic. Um, but oh my goodness, look at what you've achieved for yeah. your children. Look at how you've connected with families, really taking into account home circumstances. Um, that is so encouraging. So it's how do we take all that learning and take all that great development 
and use it to help us again in this moment now, but in the future as, as we grow as well. So it's it's so important that we kind of hold on to those those lessons. And it's so encouraging, isn't it, Eva, that we hear all the time people saying, do you know, I've, I've, I've seen a way of doing this that I didn't see in the past and I'm not going to go back to that again. I've, I've seen another way of doing this that's really helping my children and my families. Um, and I think that's the role in Education Scotland to kind of, how do we share that but how do we share that learning um, and again asking for your feedback out there and um, to you know feedback into what what can we provide to for you to help you and encourage you in that this um, endeavor too absolutely brilliant thank you guys that's been absolutely fantastic and really interesting as well so yeah it's the it's the beginning not the end <laughs> yes thank you thanks Pigs. lovely thank you very much Thank you.